the Sports Talk with Devin Wade recap. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. What we think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade briefcast. Welcome to Briefcast 25 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Welcome back. For many of you, most folks are repeat listeners. And if you aren't joining us for the first time, welcome, welcome aboard. Thank you so much. You could be listening to any number of podcasts, and you probably are as well, but you found your way to ours, and I'm certainly appreciative of that. Thanks so much for the love, and I encourage you, if this is your first time, Delve into the archives, go into uh, some of the past briefcasts, some full-fledged episodes. Now, the briefcasts are when I come to you guys solo, as opposed to uh, a full-fledged episode when I have my special teams unit aboard. Either uh, the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen, uh, the co-host of KTSU Sports Talk with me and the legend Ralph Cooper on Saturdays here in Houston, or Biscuit, my brother, he always uh, has something to add, and he probably uh, he knows me better than anybody else, so we kind of go at it in a different sort of way. But it's always fun. And or the former NFL linebacker, Eddie Robinson, who frequently joins us for full-fledged episodes. A lot of bells and whistles involved with that. Encourage you to go check those out because we have more of those coming. Have some more. I have some swag coming, so you guys can make some uh, get some some sports talk with Devin. Wade stuff. Not a lot of stuff initially. We want to see how it goes. But if you get the stuff, then we'll get more stuff. And then you can rock out with Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Well, hey, coming up this episode, a lot to get into. I want to do a segment. Let me clear my throat. Clarify something I said from last episode. Want to get into some uh, the NBA Finals. My predictions on that. Want to get into some Houston Rockets drama, some turmoil, and some upheaval that we've been talking about for quite a while here in the city of Houston on the local show. We'll talk about that this time out. Something happened at a uh, Astros game. Want to get into that and the implications for all of baseball. Want to get into uh, Drake and his impact on the series and his goings on and how he carries on. We have some birthdays to recognize and we have some losses we want to acknowledge as well. And we have a Lamont Award. Somebody else is a big dummy. With that, what's brand new? Brand new, brand new, brand new. Brand new is a segment I do as an opportunity to talk about stuff that's not directly related to sports. As I am a very eclectic guy, as uh, many of you know, I uh, do the Friday Express. So I'm sort of a... Uh, a music aficionado uh, and a sort of an expert, I would say. I would say I'm. I, I would say yes. I would definitely say that. I do a lot of good stuff on uh, for the Friday Express. So if you want to hear some old school R and B, tune in each and every Friday on KTSU ninety point nine. So I do that. And but and I have an eclectic sort of eclectic taste in music. So I listen to a lot of different music. So in that and you know movies and art and all of those things. Had well, you know what I say movies, but I don't. I don't, it's hard for me to go to the movies anymore. I'm going to try, but I just, I don't like comic book stuff. And and I don't like a lot of sequels, but we have, we may have one that I may have to indulge in. Just saw this today. Rambo is coming back. Sylvester Stallone is coming back 37 years after the first movie, which was First Blood. And he's doing this as a old man. I don't, I don't know how. 
I don't know how long he can go, but he is the master of sequels. And you know what? This week, the anniversary of Rocky Three coming out, and I was uh, what twenty five? No, no, thirty. What was it? Thirty seven years ago, by Rocky Three came out. Now that's one of my all time favorite sports movies. I think my favorite sports movie. It, which is not, I mean, I mean, I, you can get into a lot of them. Hoosiers, Rudy, all of those. Um, my, my favorite uh, sports television show was, <laughs> was The White Shadow. White Shadow was, was, hey, hey, if you don't know about The White Shadow, you need to go find and, and look for The White Shadow and try to check that out. But uh, not my favorite. I don't know. I mean, I, I like that show. I mean, it was, I was, it was appropriate for me. I mean, you go back, that stuff didn't age well, but yeah, it was, it was a white coach going to a black neighborhood to coach these guys. He's an NBA guy down on his luck. His career is ended, and now he's going to teach these kids about life and basketball. I don't know. That sounded like what could have been a trailer for White Shadow, but yeah, that's that's definitely something you want to go back and find on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, Rocky Three probably is among my favorite sports movies. I think what happened was we had gotten HBO, and HBO was just one HBO back in the day, and they played the same movies all summer long. And that summer when it came out. We watched it over and over and my sister and I over and over again to the point where we could really recite. We could do the whole beach scene. You know, I mean, I could do, I mean, there's so many things about that movie that I can quote. It's clearly the best Rocky movie. I'm telling you, because Rocky has finally gotten himself in shape. Talia Shire kind of put some makeup on and she, you know, hey, she was new money and, and looked better for it. I mean, just the bells and whistles. And then, of course, Club Lane, who, who you got to love Club Lane. But anyway, brand new movie coming back. And you know what else is coming back? Boondocks. Now, I don't know how many of you are on Boondocks or were on Boondocks. It was a I mean, that is a really quality show. I cringe sometimes because it's. You almost want, how do I, let me, let me see how I want to say this. You kind of want to, you don't want to watch that mixed company because it's really, it's satire and it's more about the way a lot of people in the African American community, um, there are people in the African American community that closely resemble, I mean, very, a very smart, smart show, but uh, I guess uh, on another podcast, on a Joe Rogan po- podcast, John Witherspoon said that the boondocks are coming back. So we had that to look forward to. Although, like I said, it's it's a very intimate look at, uh, at some of the issues in the African-American community and some of the views and attitudes and, and all of those things. I mean, just a very, very smart show the way it's done. And, you know, there are levels to that. So you definitely want to check that out. That brings me to my last podcast. Let me clear my throat. Let me clear my throat. Now, when I say the, when I do the let me clear my throat segment, essentially what I'm saying is let me clarify something that I said last episode. Now, I caught flack from a couple of people about the fact that I said that Three's company was trash. Now, I come from the television generation. So when people talk about these shows, they get passionate about those shows. What I meant to say was by the time Mr. Furley came, I thought the Three's company was trash. Now, early on, see, I'm team Ropers. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm all about the Ropers. Now, when Mr. Furley came along, 
And then they got rid of Janet. No, no, not Janet, but Chrissy. When Chrissy left and all the cousins came, yeah, nah. It, it kind of went away fast. But early on, I, although the opening with the blue shorts in the second or third season, that was good stuff. I, but I like the original opening. So just for the record, let me clear my throat. Three's Company was not trash. It was just once Mr. Furley came along, it became trash. Just like Good Times. After James died, the show took a dramatic turn. It fell off a cliff. So I will take any and all, I will take on any critic. I, I know you're going to bring up Penny and Alderman Davis and uh, and all of the people and Bookman, all of those people that came along. Bookman was there with James, but, it, you know, at towards the end. But those first few seasons with James, that was a really groundbreaking show. So, yeah, good times became trash when they let James die in the car crash in Mississippi. And really, uh, black pop culture has never recovered from James's loss. We have never recovered for, from the death of James Evans. That's why when I say damn, 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 you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's one of those things where it resonated. It was almost, it was our who shot JR moment. That's, that's what it was. So, there you have it. So I've cleared my throat on that. Let's get into some NBA Finals. Of course, the Golden State Warriors there for the fifth time in a row and have had a lot of rest. I don't know what the NBA is going to do about this. It's eight, if this game goes, if this series goes seven games, that's 18 days. 18 days to get the NBA Finals done. And NBA, you're just taking yourself too serious. It's, it's just not that serious for you to go... 18 days. Let's get this thing going and, and get it over with. Now, I think Golden State won't take 18 days to get it over with. But, I mean, yeah, that's just – it's too much. But let's get into it. What My thoughts on the NBA Finals. First of all, as much as I hate to say it because I really hate the way things ended in San Antonio for Kawhi Leonard and the organization, Kawhi is that dude. He's so special. I think – it bothers me that he rests. He has to rest so much, and you just can't quite figure out what's real, what's not. I don't know. He's a hard dude to deal with. Never uh, really trusted quiet people a whole lot. <laughs> I just I don't trust quiet people. I, you know, they I, I get uncomfortable around really really quiet people. But anyway, he's I don't I don't know what. He's what he sat for 22 games. He's limping around like he's on one leg, yet he's doing stuff that nobody else in the NBA can do. The dude is the truth. And whatever he whatever he decides to do this offseason is going to have major, major implications for the entire NBA. I don't think he's gonna stay in Toronto, but I know him about as much as anybody. No one knows him. No one really knows what he is going to do. But I think the safe bet is that he's not going to say stay in Toronto. Maybe if they win a championship, but I doubt it. I think, yeah, I don't think that'll happen. But as, uh, as it pertains to this series, I think this he's the X factor to make things a lot more interesting. He's hard to deal with, but he's just they, he just has too much to contend with on the other side. I don't think Kevin Durant will play. I think Clay. And Steph and Draymond will do their thing. I think this is going to be. I want to see. I want to make sure that Andre Iguodala is is healthy enough to play. I think that's a bigger deal than people make mention of. But I think all in all, if 
even though I, I'll tell you, I'll say it like this: even if Toronto can win Game One at home, it wouldn't bother me at all. If Golden State went down 0-2, I wouldn't be concerned at all. I think they will win this series in five. I'm gonna say five. I'll give Toronto a, a game. They better get it tonight. They better get it tonight. Well, they could get get Game Two, but I think they better get it tonight. Uh, they showed an um, immense amount of resilience coming back from 0-2 against Milwaukee. But Golden State is just, they're so good. They move so well. They pass the ball so well. Everybody's so smart on that team. They're just so hard to contain. And I think with Durant being out, which I think he should stay out. I don't, I don't, I don't think that he should play. And I don't think he will. And, and even if he was able to come back in game six or seven, I don't think that, I mean, I think, Durant has been done since the night he got hurt. I don't know that everybody's been as honest and forthcoming about the severity of that injury. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think it's important to these guys, this group of guys, to win it without Durant. I think that makes a huge statement. And what statement does it make if they win it without him? What will that do for Draymond's contract and for Clay getting his money? And what will it do for Durant? I think everybody thinks that Durant is leaving, and rightfully so. And I can you think about what they can do if he's not there? Maybe they can make some other moves to make them resemble the team prior to him coming along. Not that they're a better team, but if you don't want to be there and you know, you're just so temperamental like Kyrie Irving. Just do your thing. Go out and I guess go to Brooklyn. Now the latest is he's going to Brooklyn. It's either Brooklyn or what was the other one? Like Brooklyn or, yeah, that was Brooklyn. It wasn't even New York. So, uh, the, I mean, it was not the New York Knicks. It was Brooklyn. So that came out of nowhere. Kyrie and I get what they're going to do with D'Angelo Russell. I, I don't know. I, but, again, with these guys, you never, never know. We'll, one thing is for certain, uh, it'll be an interesting offseason, and it got a little bit more interesting. And cue the music. ESPN came out this week and reported that uh, Darren Morey, hey, he has a whole team on the trading block. Anything you want, you can come get out of the Houston Rockets uh, cabinet because he's trying to rebuild this team and make it a winner. No word on Mike D'Antoni. And so here's, here's what's been going on on the local show. If you hadn't had a chance, if you don't get up early Saturday morning here. So I've been catching a lot of flack because people think that I am pro Mike D'Antoni. I said I would not fire Mike D'Antoni. I just I wouldn't do it. And here is my reasoning behind it. What coach out there is going to fundamentally change the way James Harden plays? Now, Kevin Allen has an absolute fit. It drives him insane, saying, if you work for me, this is you know what you have to do if you're going to be on my team. And I'm telling you, the NBA, unfortunately, doesn't work like that. You have to have a coach that will make a guy want to listen to him. I don't see that guy out there. I don't think it's Tyron Lue. I don't think it's Mark Jackson. I don't think it's Avery. I don't know who all their name. They're naming a lot of people uh, as potential candidates. I think until James Harden fundamentally changes how he wants to play and move in this offense, 
I think you will have the same problems no matter who's coaching his team. If he's not buying in, if he does not want to move without the basketball. So here it comes down to this. Reports were that, okay, Harden and and Chris Paul, were, had, they bumped heads. And essentially, Harden once, when Chris Paul was handling and running the offense, James Harden was disinterested, didn't really move without the ball, played behind the ball. He didn't buy in. He looked, uh, his eyes glazed over. He had no interest in that whatsoever. All he wanted to do was play with the ball in his hands. If he does not change his mentality, this team will never win an NBA championship. And again, Kobe Bryant said it. A number of people have said it. And it doesn't matter if Mike D'Antoni is the coach or not. Greg Popovich is not walking through that door. Phil Jackson is not walking through that door. And if he did, he would hobble through the door because he's an elderly man and his best days are behind him. We saw that in New York. So that's not even an issue. What is an issue, though, is that it's all about Harden. What he, what does he want to do? That's why I thought initially reports about him coming were, I mean, everybody was so excited. Oh, we got Chris Paul, Hall of Fame point guard. But again, if you have a guy that wants to handle the ball, what are you going to do with him? That's like LeBron and Lonzo Ball in Los Angeles. He wants the ball in his hands all the time. And until that changes, I don't know what will what will make that change for him. This is going to be the team that you get. Maybe you can get another couple reliable outside shooters. I don't know. I don't know what will do it for this team if he doesn't change how he likes to play. So people who are coming at me saying, oh, no, no, fire Mike D'Antoni. Okay, well, give me an alternative. Because when Kevin McHale tried to change things up, guess what? Kevin McHale was shown the door. These guys, Chris Paul and James Harden, are scheduled to make $76.7 million next year. And then following year, in 2021, $82.6 million. And in 21-22, the, those two, just those two are supposed to make $88.5 million. Now, all that money is guaranteed. Now, you're talking about at least 70% of the salary cap. And you're already over uh, over the salary cap, so you're playing, paying a luxury tax. They tried to get underneath that and haven't been able to. So they want to make a deal for Chris Paul. They said it's, even Harden is on the block, but that's very, very a very, very remote chance. So essentially he's not, he's not on the block. It's Chris Paul on the block. What you want, Capella, Eric Gordon? Who, who do you who do you want, and what can you get to make that will make this team better? Now. You know, I I can see a scenario where maybe a team like Golden State may want to make a play for a guy like Clint Capella, uh, a guy who can run with them and and play the kind of style of basketball. Because he even Capella complained about not being able to run a little bit more. How good would he look matched up with, with Golden State? And but what could what what could you get in return for him? What could you get in return for any of these guys that are going to take them over? Uh, oh, that's going to really surpass Golden State. So here's what I have said all along. Golden State is a poor matchup for the Houston Rockets. It's a lot like the Seattle Supersonics from back in the day. With, uh, with It was uh, Sean Kemp and Gary Payton and Xavier McDaniels and even Tom Chambers and Alton List. All of those guys, Those that team, they could not get past that team. And it wasn't until... As a number one seed, Seattle lost to the Denver Nuggets and uh, Matumbo. 
the first number one seed to lose to an eight. That was when the Rockets were able to get through. But in any case, when it did happen, they did not have to play Seattle in the uh, in the Western Conference playoffs. And so they were able to get to the championship in back-to-back years. They just could not beat that team. Same thing with Golden State. If Golden State is an all-time great team, which they are, how can you be so mad at the Rockets for not being able to beat them. It's almost like, okay, we wanted, we loved you blue in Houston. We loved the Houston Oilers. We thought, man, we loved Earl, Dan Passerini. We loved the team. You name it. We love those guys. But in retrospect, how mad are you that they weren't able to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, you won, you, you were there. You could have got it done. But realistically, that's one of the greatest teams, football teams of all time. If you want to talk about one team over a two-year period, there are not many teams that you can even put in that category. And so how mad can you beat Houston Oilers for not getting over the hump for you know, and beating the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, you're disappointed. We were there, and we felt like we had a chance. But you, that was one of the all-time great teams. This is one of the all-time great teams. So my, this is my belief. I believe if you kind of enhance what you have, kind of keep everything in place, let's see if Golden State takes a step back. Let's see if they lose Clay and Durant. Let's see if a Cousins, Durant, and Clay go somewhere. Let's see what they look like, and let's see if this team has enough. Because, again, until James James Harden is almost like it's almost like the Tony Romo thing, where he's a you you really can't trade him. I mean, because you can't get an upgrade on him. So you're kind of stuck with a guy who may not be able to win at all, but he's a very, very special player. Now, Harden is much, 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 10 times better than Tony Romo as a quarterback. But I'm saying you have a guy, just like Tony Romo, who can do great things on for your team and is a great guy to have. But he's not a guy that's going to get you to the Super Bowl, and Harden is not a guy that's going to win you an NBA title. If he couldn't have done it this year, and he was absolutely phenomenal, how much better can he be playing the way that he played? Now, if he wants to do some things off the ball, if he wants to not handle the ball as much, if he wants to play less isolation basketball, then I say, okay, now let's see if this thing opens up. Can we have? Can the Rockets have a chance to, to get it done? You know, we'll have to see. That's my theory about how it should go. They want to blow up the team. Oh, you can't beat them anyway. Look, I'm like the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves every year say, well, look, we may not win at all. Let's build our team to get as high up on the mountain as we can, and maybe we'll get to the top of the mountain. If we keep setting up camp near the top of the mountain every year, one of those years we can break through and get to the top of the mountain. And I think that's the philosophy that the Houston Rockets should have in this situation. Let's wait and see what happens. I, but again, for now, it doesn't look like Tillman Fertitta is going to extend Mike D'Antoni. So he's a quote-unquote lame duck coach. But, you know, what can you do? I, I don't I don't see an upgrade out there. Maybe, I mean, again, I'm not in basketball circles. I wouldn't, I don't know what assistants are the hot young assistants, but I don't know if a hot young assistant is somebody that James Harden is going to listen to. Maybe you sit down with him and say, well, who would you listen to? Who who can you listen to? Who, who, you know, but as far as moving Chris Paul, they're not going to be able to move Chris Paul. Chris Paul is owed $124 million over the next three years, guaranteed, and he's not getting better. 
He's not what he once was. He's a nice player. He's a Hall of Fame player. He's not a just so sort of a franchise altering guy. This was his shot to do that. He was ain't unable to do that. He never did break through with the Clippers. Not gonna break through with the Rockets, at least not in the foreseeable. So with that, we'll have to see how it plays out. But it's definitely a lot of drama. Uh, with the Houston Rockets, and we'll have to see how it plays out. Maybe a little bit of it is overblown, but that's the nature of the soap opera that is NBA basketball. Want to shift gears and talk a little bit about uh, some baseball. What happened with uh, well, a couple of one thing was a nominee for the Lamont Award, and and I'm gonna I guess I'll post this one after this episode just to see what people think on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade uh, the group page on Facebook. Now, I was going to give the uh, Lamont Award to Carlos Correa. Now, if you don't know what happened, and maybe many of you have heard by now, Carlos Correa fractured his ribs, and uh, he's out for four to six weeks. Well, when I heard the news, I was like, oh, man, another bad break for um, the Astros, who sort of really are banged up this time around this year. Uh, Really, they had stretches last year that were really banged up. Uh, and you just, man, what a bad break for this team. And then you found out late yesterday afternoon that Carlos Correa broke a rib during a massage at home. Now, that is big dummy material right there. I don't I don't know if that's the truth because we we I remember Jeff Kent. I don't know. Many people don't remember this. With Jeff Kent, I think he was a guy that he was on a truck or something, doing something with a truck. And and blew his knee or something and he blamed it on something else and we've seen it with other guys saying they got hurt on the treadmill and they got hurt doing something else that they didn't have any business doing but this guy you can use your imagination how do you break a rib during a massage at home now the only thing that i can think of and and because of the nature of the injury, I, I didn't get this to Lamont Award, but, but I'm going to give it a nominee. I, I'll, I'll make it a nominee, and I'll give you my other one a little bit later on. But I, the only thing that I will give a little bit of validity to, and this doesn't even really apply to him. So I'm a big guy, right? And so I went into, I guess, in the mall where they had these things where you can, you know, if you, it was one holiday, and everybody was shopping, and they, they get these temporary little place where they say, well, hey, you can get a massage while while you wait on shopping. If you want to take a break from shopping at the mall, and, and for boys and girls out there, the shopping mall is a place you used to go that every all the stores were in one place. Now, I know these things are dying off, but they used to be everywhere. But anyway, as a big guy, I got in on one of these massages. And I have to tell you, I really think that the people involved with my massage looked at me and said, we are going to punish this dude. We think that he is a big guy. We're going to we're going to do anything and everything we want to do to this guy. And I'm telling you, they did everything but walk on my back. I mean, I'm talking about dropping elbows. They were doing all sorts. And I'm like, wait a minute. Is this part of a massage? What, what is I don't know if this is helping. Are you, you know, are you just trying to experiment with me because I'm a big guy? You just want to, you think you can do anything? You're going to hit me with a baseball bat or something? So, yeah, that happened. But he's not even a big guy like that. So use your imagination. What do you think really happened? (laughs) Because I've never heard of this. I have hit me up. Let me know at Wade's Word or in the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page or group 
If uh, what what do you think about that? Give me give me your thoughts on that. I'm gonna ask a couple of questions because I want to get your thoughts on that, and also I want to remind you guys I'm gonna have a phone line. I think for you guys, you have that to look forward to. With that, I want to talk about something a, a lot more serious that happened at the Houston Astros game last night. Uh, if you've ever gone to an Astros game or any any baseball game, especially a professional game, and you've sat along the first baseline or the third baseline, you know, and if you've watched the game, you know how fast uh, foul balls could come at you. And that's exactly what happened last night. A foul ball off of uh, Chicago Cub Albert Almora. He hit a, I mean, just a, a rope along the third baseline and hit a little girl. Now, I hate reports that the little girl is okay. It was a it was dramatic footage. It was a dramatic night because the the young man Elmora was so visibly moved and shaken by that. And I can only imagine, man, the, the thought that you hit or harmed uh, a little girl, a baby girl, uh, it, it's devastating. But the reports are that they think that the baby is okay and didn't sustain serious injuries. But I didn't realize this. I know a lot of people have gotten hurt. I didn't realize a couple years ago, a 93-year-old lady, I think she was 93. I don't know what her age. I think she was an elderly woman. She got hit. Maybe a 78-year-old woman. I have to go back and look at it. But she got hit and uh, with a foul ball and died. And that was behind home plate. So I don't, I mean, these things are, are kind of crazy. You should never go to a baseball game and worry about man life-ending injuries. I mean, and I know things happen when you at the ballpark. Whenever you convene tens of thousands of people, things happen. You know, fights happen. I know a couple people fell off elevators. A couple folks fell from higher levels up in stadiums. Usually those people are drunk. But sitting along the first base and third baseline, it's a man, it's a dangerous thing. And you, you know, I'm a traditionalist in a lot of ways, but yeah, you probably need to put some netting up at this point or plexiglass or something to protect uh, the fans. Now, what it does do is it will prevent guys from going up in the stands to catch foul balls and those dramatic plays. Like, I know Derek, I mean, you see him all the time, but Derek Jeter, I think, was one of them. The famous ones where he dove into the stands and and doubled somebody on the bases. It'll stop that. But, man, you can't risk somebody getting killed. Now, that being said, too, and I'll ask you guys, what's your take on that? How responsible are the parents? Do you take a child that young and sit them in those seats? Should it be an age, uh, you know, sort of? A prohibition uh, on, you know, should it be prohibited for kids under a certain age to sit along the first and third base lines on the first, on the opening, on the, the bottom level? I don't know. Uh, something has to happen because you can't have, that's just not the way it's meant to be. And I know things, freak things happen and the openness of the baseball. I mean, and again, they don't have grounds for a lawsuit because on your ticket, it says, hey, if you sit down here, you sit down here at your own risk. So I don't know if that can be challenged at some point, but give me your take on that. I think it's a very unfortunate thing. I'm thinking maybe the plexiglass, but if not, maybe an age restriction on kids down there. And you would like to think that, I would like to think that if I was there, you know, I could step in the way and protect the kid. And, and I'm, you know, maybe some people can, some people can't. But it's so you could, all you have to do is look away for a split second. And it could have been much more tragic if, if some of the reports I hear, and again, we don't have confirmation, 
And baseball says that, well, they'll look at some things, but it's just sort of legalese and, and PR talk is essentially what it is. I don't think that they're planning to do much as it pertains to changes in baseball. Although if this young child had been severely hurt, I think the calls will be a little bit louder. And if this child turns out to be hurt really badly, I think this is something that you will see happening uh, really, really soon where they take a second look at what this entire situation is about. Um, but again, a dangerous situation, maybe an age sort of age limit for sitting down there. I, I don't know. You hate, I don't know. I don't know if you want baseball to be the hockey style or with the netting or the plexiglass, but you can't risk life over a baseball game. So uh, give me your take on that. Help me navigate this. Cause my initial thought is no, you have to put up netting. And then you say, well, maybe you take away some of the intimacy of the game. Maybe you take away some of the ability for players to step up in the stands and make plays and really have the crowd right there. I think baseball thinks that if you start to do that, uh, that that will lose some of the the sort of the intimacy of the game. But with baseball looking at all sorts of changes, I do think that that is something that they're going to have to take a look at and make, like I said, either age limit or plexiglass or netting. So give me your take on that at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. And uh, or on the Facebook, uh, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. I'm going to take a time out here, come back on the other side. I want to talk about another big dummy nominee and uh, well, maybe, maybe a couple of big dummy nominees. Want to get into some birthdays, some uh, some goodbyes and um, a Lamont Award, a actual Lamont Award winner. So all that coming up and a whole lot more. I want to remind you guys, KTSUradio.com, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast, please subscribe, like, share, tell a friend, and uh, hey, talk about us. Tell folks about us. This is summertime. A lot of people have leisure time. They'll be looking for podcasts and the like to uh, indulge in. So uh, if you can, hey, do that. In addition to that, if you are fledgling artists, you have music that you want to share with us, hook me up, Send, get with me. And we'll play a snippet at the halfway point, and we'll play the entire track at the end of the show to expose you, uh, your music to a, a wide audience from around, literally coast to coast and around the world. People have uh, listened from all over the world. Um, you never know who's listening, and maybe they could be exposed to your music. I don't care the genre, doesn't matter the genre, doesn't matter the length. I just uh, need it to be radio edit. We want to be sort of mostly family friendly. So if you have that, hit me up and let me know. Going to take a time out and come back with more. It's Briefcast 25 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on iTunes. Tune in, SoundCloud, and KTSUradio.com. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. Kobe Holmes through Keller Williams. 
bachelor pad uh, You got me thinking about a fence outside The bike that I had uh, I sold it for a full size Change up this man cave Cause someone like you Needs a little room to do what you do A new phase is just what I need Yeah, You make me wanna trade in Whiskey and weekends You make me wanna stay in With you every night You make me wanna lock down this feeling I'm feeling Girl, you got me shopping For the cut that you like You make me wanna love Welcome back to Recap 25, the Sports Talk to Devin Wade podcast. want to take some time out now to recognize a couple people that we lost in the world of sports. A couple people passed, uh, including Bart Starr of Green Bay Packer fame, of Ice Bowl fame, of, I mean, you think about Green Bay Packer football, you think, I really think, you probably think Lombardi first, Bart Starr second, if not Maybe Paul Horning. No, nah, I, I think it's, I think he's definitely Bart Starr. And, I mean, I, you know all of those guys. I knew all of those guys. Growing up as a young kid, I didn't see Bart Starr play. He was a coach by the time I uh, remembered. And, and not a very successful coach, but a great, great quarterback in his league, championship football player. And I, a couple years ago, I think it was last year, he walked out on the field uh, for something. I think it was two years ago came out on the field and it was just electric to see a guy you know i'm big on my legends i'm huge on my legends so you know whenever the whether it's marla gibbs uh, for on the live rebroadcast or reboot of the jeffersons or bart star or you name it and when you see the 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 old timers get their love and their shine. I'm always for that. And he got an electric uh, sort of reception when he came out. And he was very, he was very frail. Didn't move very well. But he was honoring somebody. It was he was doing something. I might have been for Brett Favre and whatever it was. It was a big deal. And I know he is like a god up there in in Wisconsin. But I mean, hey, if you know anything about football, his importance to the game, you can debate about how good he was and and he's not among the best all time and it was a different era but he was a uh i mean he was a champion and he was the face of nfl championships and super bowl championships the first couple anyway lost him recently in addition to that bill buckner who i first came to really like as a chicago cub but he's most known for blowing a play in the 86 world series uh, where the ball went right through his legs. He was hobbling. Shouldn't have been in the game. And the game was tied. They ended up losing that game. They ended up losing seven. And the Mets uh, win the World Series. And Boston's jinx had continued up to that point before they eventually won the World Championship. And he was just, I mean, he was rode hard and really really abused by the fan base in Boston for many years, much maligned. And just, I mean, he was the GOAT and not the greatest of all time. He was, he's the reason why they lost. A a lot of people made him the reason why uh, they lost. But uh, going back to that series, I remember the play, but I was not into the world series. I hated the Mets. And I talked about this on my Facebook, on the sports talk with Devin Wade group page. What happened was in 86, The Astros met up with the New York Mets and the NLCS, and we lost in six. And I say we because back then it was we. 
and we were just trying to get the ball back into the hands of Mike Scott, who won two games in that uh, series. And it was dramatic 16th inning home run by Billy Hatcher. I think that was 14th, I think, is when he hit it. And I mean, it was just a great, great series. I remember the Mets. We hated them. It was uh, it was uh, Darling and Ojeda and I, I'm Gary Carter. I just couldn't stand that team. I could not. I hated the Mets, and so I didn't. I didn't care much about that World Series because we were eliminated a week or two earlier. And so you know, like a true fan, what you do is when your team was eliminated in a heartbreaking in heartbreaking fashion, you just. Uh, in your season, take your ball and go home. And so while I do remember the play, I was not emotionally connected to that. I thought it was unfair the way he was treated. And I think that it overshadowed what a great career he had because I, I mean, I had his baseball card and all that. So I, I like Bill Buckner and with the signature mustache and he was just one of those gutsy, hard nosed players which uh, there were a lot of those in that era, but he was a really, really good uh, baseball player. He played with Dawson for a while, Andre Dawson. He played with those teams that, of course, if you had cable, you had WGN, so you saw a lot of Cubs before he went on and played for uh, the Mets. So we lost those guys, so I want to acknowledge those and say, hey, it's so hard to say goodbye to those legends, and we we tend to, you know, we lose them. Uh, more and more frequently as, you know, time goes on. You know, these things happen. But uh, just thinking about both Bar Star and Bill Buckner and say, hey, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Would they want to do something that we normally do for full-fledged episodes? We're going to do some Birthdays. where I acknowledge from time to time uh, the birthdays of several pro athletes and one person who listens to the podcast. Happy, happy birthday to former Houston Oilers quarterback Dan Pastorini. The guys from Oil Still Rises on Twitter, they did a video with him in the video a few years ago. Uh, maybe not, maybe the last couple years, but Pastorini just got into the, uh, the Houston Sports Hall of Fame. He's one of those guys that that is synonymous with Love Your Blue. It's Earl and Dan Pastorini. Of course, I think he was runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. I think he lost to Jim Plunkett in 71. I think that's right. I, I think that's right. But anyway, of course, he was known for being tough as nails. I remember, I think he went on to do some acting once he got out to the West Coast. The flak jacket was was invented because he, he had bruised ribs, a broken rib. And he was just a, he was a tough as nails guy who went on to do uh, Love. Was it Love? No, it was, it was Fantasy Island, I think he acted in. I have to look up his IMDB to see what acting he actually did. But just uh, synonymous with Houston's love affair with those teams of the late 70s and early 80s. Uh, happy, happy birthday to him. Happy birthday to a former Houston Rocket. Now, if you blink, you missed it. But Carmelo Anthony turned 35 recently. So, happy, happy birthday to him. Happy birthday to Willie Mays. Willie Mays had a birthday. And I think we all owe it to ourselves to tell the younger generations about how important he was. And many people, that's their all-time greatest baseball player, uh, for many people, that's their all-time. Of a certain age, that's their favorite, favorite baseball player. Say, hey, I mean, I'm telling you, 
the catch he made in the World Series, the over the shoulder catch. He is he was iconic, and I don't think people show him enough love in the African American community, especially. We need to celebrate this guy. It's almost like it's Jackie Robinson, then Barry Bonds, and that's the end of baseball. And there's so many great African-American players uh, that have had an impact on this game, not the least of which, and, and not many more other than Jackie Robinson had the impact of a Willie Mays. So Willie Mays, happy, happy birthday to him. So glad he's still around and enjoying his status, along with Hank Aaron, as uh, two of the greatest players of all time to ever play this game. So. Uh, you know, again, happy, happy birthday to him. But to my sports figures, uh, happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday to Marcus Brewer and happy anniversary from your wife, Melissa. And if you, uh, hey, want to say thank you guys so much for the support, whether it's on Fridays or KTS Sports Talk or the, uh, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, thank you guys. Happy, happy birthday. Happy anniversary, too. I know the anniversary is around that time. I, I, I don't have the notes in front of me, but happy birthday, Marcus. And thank you guys so much for the support. And all of you guys, happy birthday. Everybody sing with me now. Happy birthday. Just for the birthday, people. Happy birthday. Everybody, everybody, everybody. that want to get into the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. Now, I've already had one nominee, Carlos Correa, and I really didn't offer it up as, as, as nominees because I have who I'm going to give the Lamont Award to, but he a couple of folks who could have gone on to win this edition of uh, the Lamont Award. Did you see, okay, I guess LeBron James allowed his son to be on Instagram for the first time. Son, 14, 15 years old. He's a regular teenage. And within hours, I guess a day, he had over a million followers. million followers on Instagram for Bronny is what they call him, LeBron Jr. Or LeBron II or whatever his government name is. But like, uh, and this is why I didn't give him the Lamont Award. He's a kid. He gets on, he's shooting a bird, he's cussing, he's talking about women, he's talking about smoking weed. It was just really stupid and really, really embarrassing. And it's upsetting because LeBron has gone so far out of his way to lead a perfect public life. I mean, he's dodged all sorts of, of uh, obstacles. He is the father figure who married his, his high school sweetheart. He stays married. He's raising his kids. He's active in his children's lives. He, he's opening schools in a typical teenager. And I'm not going to fault him too, too much, except you got to know who your dad is. You got, but kids are just dumb. Kids just they just do stupid stuff, and he got on, and it was it was pretty embarrassing, and, and a lot of f this f this n word n word, and these bees. I mean, I could say all the words, but I mean, there's no need to, it, and it's just unfortunate. It's a dummy move, but I'm not gonna give the Lamont Award to a kid if he does it again in a few years. We'll we'll know, uh, but I'm sure LeBron had something to say about that. 
and uh, talked to that young fella. And again, I don't know how this was leaked. I don't know if this is something he posted publicly, but I just saw it all over Twitter. And, you know, I don't know what is going to happen with that situation, but it was not a good look. Uh, And this guy who LeBron is calling the heir apparent, which that's a lot of pressure for a kid too, by the way. Uh, he's a great basketball player. And I know that he played some AAU basketball here in the city of Houston for a while. Um, but again, I, I hope he has a bright future. And he just made a dumb mistake. So I won't give him uh, the Lamar Award for that. But uh, I'll tell you what, that's just, that is a dummy move. And that kids, because, you know, if you know any teenager, they do dumb things. So you can't fault them too much for that. The other one is. An impossible nominee. I don't know how you want to go about this one. Drake. Now, every, everything's all about Drake with this with this in the NBA uh, playoffs. He's been all over the place rubbing the coach's shoulders and, and just doing all, just all over the place. Doing He's like just Spike Lee on steroids. He's doing the most. So the NBA comes to Drake and says to him, hey, tone it down. So we appreciate that you love the game, but you're doing too much. And, and so I think maybe that is that a dummy move for the NBA who's getting all of this shine. How many millions of followers does Drake have in social media? And what is his impact around the world? And how much light is that shining on Toronto? He's becoming synonymous with the city of Toronto in ways that you just you don't see. He's a big, big star. I think by and large, it's pretty good for the NBA to have that guy sort of in the spotlight it gives you it gives that series that extra just just like when beyonce comes to the rockets games or travis scott you know you know when you see our folks show up uh, from that city to support the team that's a big big deal and that's i mean it's good for the game it gives it that sizzle that you need if you are a a pro league so uh, i don't know if you want to give the nba that or give drake the lamont award for for his antics on the sideline. I don't know if that if you want to do you want to do that? <laughs> you want to give him the Lamont Award? He's a soft nominee. Those two were soft nominees. I think the real nominees uh, are Correa and the organization that's getting the Lamont Award this time. Well, the Lamont Award this time will go to the Buffalo Bills. Now, what about the Buffalo Bills? First of all, not a Buffalo Bills fan since Jim Kelly and Andre Reed and Houstonian Thurman Thomas and when they gave us hell all through the 90s and they went to all those Super Bowls and never won, but it sort of they got in the way of the Houston Oilers getting there. Or really, the Oilers got in the way of themselves, but Buffalo was the beneficiary at least in, uh, with the 32-point comeback, the largest comeback in NFL history. So, uh, n- never been, a, and even when I met James Lofton at the Hall of Fame and interviewed him, uh, I, I mentioned that whole. I remembered he played for Green Bay and Oakland. I don't remember the other team he played for, but of course he had a number of stellar years for the Buffalo Bills. So what does this organization they do? They've not been able to get this thing right for that organization for a long time. But why are they big dummies? Because a journeyman running back requested and got permission to wear the number 32. Now, the number 32 for the Buffalo Bills could only mean one thing. A Renthal James Simpson. O.J. Simpson wore number 32. And I would imagine, I don't know if they, I'm sure they didn't keep stats back then, but that had to be the most popular jersey in the entire NFL for a number of years in the early to mid-70s. This dude 
on the field, just on the field, did so much for that organization, put them on the map, was synonymous in a way with that. I mean, like Earl Kim with the Oilers, it was O.J. Simpson and the Buffalo Bills. It was just a, a sweet-looking jersey, sweet-looking player, and one, you know, just he was the dude. He was the guy. Two thousand yards in fourteen games, and so you never retired that number. And then it got to a, a situation where you couldn't retire the number because obviously of what happened in nineteen ninety four. So it's a double edged sword that cuts you both ways. You couldn't retire the number, and now you want to give out a number that creates a lot of dialogue. On a lot of discussion of O.J. Simpson, which if you are the Buffalo Bills trying to build a winner, do you really need that energy around your uh, around your your organization? Is that what you need in your life to have O.J. Simpson be the topic of conversation? So if this guy who may or may not even make the team comes out wearing the number thirty two, I guarantee you. It you it will be. I don't care if he rushes for one yard and never gets in a game. There's going to be a point in every broadcast that somebody does a spotlight and has a little conversation about the number thirty-two. For me, I try to separate the what happened with OJ after football with what he did on the football field. Now, some people say no, you can't separate. Well. Okay, if you can separate, you don't want to see number 32. And if you can separate, you don't want to see number 32 back uh, out on the field for the Buffalo Bills. It's unfortunate because I think for a certain segment of society, especially up in that part of the country, you can divorce yourself of those things. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. But if you can't, again, you certainly don't want to see O.J. Simpson's number out on the field. For me... I, you know, I think his number still retired at USC, and I think it should be. I mean, what he did as a player was remarkable. You can't take away what he meant to the NFL, to the Buffalo Bills, to USC when he was there. I know I used to get in trouble all the time, my mom, anytime I brought up OJ. But let's – I don't even want to go there. But I think, for me, I can separate it. And he's a legend of the game on the field – and I think for that reason, you shouldn't even you shouldn't even deal with it either way because it's going to bring up discussions that, as an organization on the come up, you just don't want to have. You don't want your players, your coaches, your GMs, your owners having to answer questions about OJ Simpson. I don't know why the number was never retired in the first place, but because you brought this up and you brought all this energy back into your life, Buffalo Bills, you are big dummies. You big dummy! <laughs> <laughs> With that, before I let go, before I let go, before I let go, want to summarize uh, my pick again. I'm picking Golden State in five. I think Toronto has a chance to win it tonight. I think to uh, the Kawhi Leonard is amazing. I think he's a super superstar player, and I think that he can be an X factor in this uh, series. I think Demarcus Cousins coming back could be a, a, a both a positive and a negative. If he it disrupts their chemistry, I think that could be a problem for him if he can play. Kevin Durant, I don't anticipate seeing this entire series. I think Toronto does have a chance to win this game, um, but uh, I don't think the series, no, nah, I don't think they have uh, a remote chance to win it all. Also, uh, hey, keep an eye on the Stanley Cup Finals. 1-1, the St. Louis Blues and the Boston Bruins. After going 0-13 in the Stanley Cup Finals, the St. Louis Blues finally win 
a Stanley Cup game. So uh, that series is tied one to one. So if you're looking for something else interesting over the 18 games of the NBA Finals, that's something else you can look forward to. Want to remind you guys, you can hit me at Wade's Word on Twitter and, of course, uh, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. Send me your music. Artists, DJs, let me know. Hit me up. Let me know. Thank you so much uh, for your comments, subscriptions, your, uh, your word of mouth. And as always, have a great day.